Hi, this is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely Band. Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Hey everyone, this is Dave Menichetti from YNT. This is Dave Starr from Wildstar. What's up, this is Doc Coyle from the band God Forbid. Alright, this is Jason from uh, Kings of Modesty. What's happening? This is Jeremy Goldberg from Age of Evil. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, what's up? This is Mercedes from Kitty. I'm Rasmus Gruberg from New Keepers of the Water Towers. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owen. Hey, this is Steven from I Wrestled a Bear Once. Hey, this is Tara. And this is Ivy. And we're half of Kitty. Hey, this is Wolf from the Chariot. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hi, this is Robert Flashman. Hey, everybody. This is Bobby Rock. Hey, this is Zach from Nonpoint. Hey, this is Frank from New Revolution. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. Booyah. Hey, this is Robbie Crane from Rat, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Go get him. Hey, what's up? This is Joe from Misery. Hey, this is John from Misery. Hey, this is Dan Lorenzo from Hades, Nonfiction, The Cursed, and my horrible solo music. You're listening to my boy Victor on Mars Attacks. Yeah, hey, this is Guy from Avalon. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Liam from Cancer Bat. Hey, what's up? This is Jose from Bonded by Blood. Okay, this is Patrick from Heaven Below. Hi, this is Issa. Hi, this is Amanda Somerville. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windor from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiska talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Eric from White Wizard, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, Weather Zoids, this is Luna from Holy Grail, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Shred on. Welcome, one and all, to episode number 22 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I am your host, Victor. And this week, we will have a double interview. We will have Luna from Holy Grail, former lead singer of White Wizard as well. And we'll also have an interview with Ripper Owens later on in the show. Before getting into any of the interviews, I do want to say this. I wanted to make this a White Wizard, uh, Holy Grail episode. Uh, There's been so much said out there on the web regarding both bands, regarding members, ex-members, so on and so forth. If you've been, you know, out there reading Metal Sucks or Blabbermouth or anything like that, you're more than likely up to speed with everything that's gone on with these bands. And um, my idea was to reach out to a bunch of different parties, you know, that were involved in the band and get their side of things, you know. I'm a fan of White Wizard, I'm a fan of Holy Grail, fan of Overloaded, band that uh, Eric Klubert um, was in previous to White Wizard as well, and, um, you know, I wanted everyone to get their fair say in this, because you read so many things uh, out there, but it's it just isn't the same as hearing someone's voice. And hearing, you know, the inflection and the tone, you know, sometimes in print you don't uh, get to read, you know, the, the the whether the person's being sarcastic, being a dick, or, or, or whatever, you know. It just doesn't come across right. So, you know, I want to give everyone their fair share. Uh, I reached out to Earache to see if they wanted to have someone from White Wizard come on, namely John Leon. Uh, no answer. I tried to reach out to White Wizard themselves. No answer. Um, Chad, the ex-guitarist, I reached out to him. Uh, He had originally said that um, 
he was interested in doing the episode, but uh, for whatever reason, I haven't been able to get back in contact with him. Uh, I tried reaching out to Jesse, their former drummer, and to um, Wyatt, the former lead singer as well, and received no response back from them. Uh, the people that have been keeping track of Mars Attacks will know that I did have Eric uh, Klubert on uh, once, and I've talked to him several times. Uh, one of the first people to befriend the show when it first started out and was nice enough to come on and, and talk to me for well over an hour. And, um, you know, I knew a lot of the behind-the-scenes things that were going on, or at least I knew Eric's side of things. Um, regardless of what you read out there, I know that Eric wanted things to work. Okay, because the emails that he was sending me detailed that. He had specified different issues that he was having and that other members were having. And he wanted things to work out. He really did. He really liked the way that uh, their album Over the Top came out. Uh, I felt that when I heard him speak about it, he was sort of surprised at how good it came out. And it is a good, a very good, solid album. And uh, not to be biased or anything, but I truly think that that album does showcase Wyatt and does showcase Eric, regardless of who wrote the songs. Uh, Fine, John wrote the songs, that's great. Elvis never wrote a song in his life. Now, who takes the credit here? Elvis or the people that that wrote the songs and Elvis ultimately interpreted their vision? Same sort of deal here. You know, I think John is a good songwriter. I mean, it's obvious by the songs that he's done with it. Every variation of the band. Uh, That said, that doesn't keep from, you know, Wyatt, Eric, Luna, or any of the other former members of the band really shining through on what they did. And Eric did hold, or I'm sorry, John did hold things together. You know, he is obviously the mastermind, the person behind things. But that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, just because you have one you know, um, solid piece trying to uh, push things along. If the rest of the team isn't up to snuff or better, you know, to bring the the better things out of, you know, who's putting the songs together, doesn't mean that those songs are going to sound as good. You know, you need good dance partners to make sure that, you know, everything does, you know, and pardon the pun, come out over the top. You know, and it did. In any event, I did contact Eric, and, um, first of all, Eric pointed me towards an interview that he did with Sleaze Rocks. And I'm looking at, um, the email right now. And this is, ex- this is exactly what he wrote in his email. He writes, did you get a chance to read the interview with Sleaze Rocks? In it, I stated that I'm over the band. I wish I could have done an interview with you, but timing was right with Sleaze Rocks. Uh, I'm going to try and forget about White Wizard. I think I made solid points in the Sleaze Rocks interview, and if I keep talking about it, it will look weak. And I understand that, you know. Uh, he's a man of his word. He sort of put the exclamation point, the period on, you know, what he wanted to say. And he's done with it. He's moved on. And he has informed me that he's working on a few different things. We'll see um, when those things come to light, um, how they are and whatnot. And, you know, I'm sure it'll be something great. With someone as talented as Eric, again, check out Overloaded. Check out White Wizards Over the Top. And, um, you know, again, I, I did want to give the band the benefit of the doubt. And you know what I'm going to do? Just to show 
that I do want to give everyone a fair shot. I'm going to play the latest single from White Wizard first. It's called Shooting Star. Uh, Then we'll get into uh, some Holy Grail music and we'll get into the interview with Luna. little shooting star from White Wizard, and uh, you can pick that up on iTunes. Uh, They actually have a B-side where they cover Dio's We Rock. I talked to Luna about this. I didn't include it in the episode, but 
I don't know. Um, I think it's cool that they're donating proceeds of the single to the um, Children of the Night Foundation that Dio started for um, Runaways, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I, I really do think that's cool. Uh, the the one sort of sticking point that I have is that I think a lot of people have just started on the Dio bandwagon just for the sake of getting their name out there. Um, if Iron Maiden covers Dio, if Judas Priest covers Dio, or Rainbow, or Black Sabbath, or something like that, or a band like Armored Saint who did it, who really has you know nothing to gain by it, you know I have no issue with it. But a band like White Wizard doing it, you know, teach their own, but it just seems like it's a, almost a cheap way of getting their name out there. I don't know. That's the, that's just me. Maybe I'm just weird with that, and I'm sure the band has their motives, and I'm sure uh, John Leon could argue that, and he's more than welcome to do so. Again, I did invite him to come on the show, and I would have talked about that. Uh, in any event, if he's still interested in coming on, I'm more than happy to have him on and, and talk about his side of things. Anyway, let's get into a track from Crisis in Utopia before jumping into the actual interview. We actually did start out with Nocturne in D minor, an instrumental at the beginning, so we did actually play a track, but um, let's play a great track called uh, Fight to Kill, coming off of Crisis in Utopia.
phone, we have James Luna from Holy Grail. And um, uh, real quickly, researching on the net, I've seen you listed as James Luna, James Paul Luna, and James De La Luna, which is correct. <laughs> uh, well, my full name is James Paul Luna, and somebody for some reason made up the name James De La Luna. I don't, I'm not too uh, attached to that one, but uh, okay. most of my friends call me Luna just by my last name. So either one's okay. fine. Cool. Okay. You guys are about to put out an album called uh, Crisis in Utopia, and you decided to go with Danny Lohner, who's known more for his remixes and his work with Nine Inch Nails, for example. Um, why did you guys decide to use him as a producer on the album? Uh, he seemed the most into like uh, modern production than the other guys. Uh, they wanted a little more like old-school throwback kind of retro production, and we thought going with someone was like, who's like knows the current state of like modern making modern records that we thought would be cool. And he had a history of like being in old school thrash bands in Texas. Angkor Wat was one of his bands. He was in on metal blade when he was like 18. And so, uh, he was really passionate about it. So we went with him. Okay, cool. And I mean, obviously that's something that I would think for a newer artist like you guys, um, is important, you know, to, do something somewhat classic, but give it a modern feel as well, which from what I've heard, the three tracks that I've heard definitely feel that way. Was there anything that surprised you about him once you got in the studio? Uh, some of the things was, uh, like, we didn't have qu quite the, like, the engineer power we would have wanted, so it took a little longer than normal, and and just the workflow was kind of shaky, but uh, we pulled it through in the end. I mean, we had we had like tours and two tours in between that, and some we had we had a festival and uh, in UK and down, download festival and a festival in Europe, which was Bakken, and so it kind of like <laughs> made things kind of scattered in between. So, but uh, in between that, we just kept treading along and uh, finally pulled through, you know. Okay. And you dropped that, dropped that so casually. Ah, we played Vakken, you know, just the biggest festival in the world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome, man. But it, it's, uh, it, it, it was nice, I think, to get away from the record and then come back to it with, like, fresh ears and open a different mindset to you. Right. I gotcha. And I probably should have asked this previous to my last question, but, uh, can you name any of the producers that were considered for the album that you guys sort of uh, vetoed? Uh, well, Steve Evitz and Matt Hyde, but um, we were originally going to go with Matt Hyde, but we had scheduling conflicts and we were forced to, you know, not use him. So we went with the other, one of the other two, and we chose Danny in the end. Okay. Um, were you looking to accomplish something specific with the album when you guys went in to uh, record it? Um, pretty much just keeping it, you know, our sound, but with modern production. And that's pretty much what we accomplished, I think. <laughs> okay. And how but did this... We didn't this... want to throw back or retro. That was the main thing. Okay. And how did this differ from your previous recording experiences? Um, those we all did them ourselves with a 
a friend that's an engineer producing it. So uh, it was a lot more, um, I don't know, I, I guess it was just, it was a lot faster and just direct and to the point how we wanted it. And working with the producer, it kind of put it, gave us a bigger outside perspective on how things should fit and how the album flowed. Okay. Did things change much with the input of the producer? Not drastically. It was more of just like an outside opinion of which part they prefer. And we're kind of like, it just kind of honed in our like choices more. You know what I mean? Having someone else there like, well, this one is better. Like telling you what you kind of, your gut feeling and then proving your gut feelings right. It was just kind of like someone to bounce it off of, which was cool. Okay. And um, what's the songwriting process like for Holy Grail? What exactly went into writing Crisis in Utopia? Uh, well, the, the difference for each song and for each guy that writes. Uh, I write songs that are more, you know, I have a chorus and a verse and a riff and turn that into a song. And Eli had, I think, 200 riffs going into it. <laughs> and... Um, he weaned that down to 30 songs, and so he had 30 songs. I had six songs, and then James LaRue had three songs. And out of those, we picked 11. Uh, everyone kind of agreed we're the best, and that's what we tracked. Okay. So I, I take it that you guys, even though recorded these 11 albums, considering that Eli had 200 riffs, uh, you guys have plenty of material for the future as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's new riffs popping up every day, so there's <laughs> plenty of stuff to work with. <laughs> okay, and everything was written for this album. Is there anything that was carried over uh, from before the album? Uh, the two songs off our EP are on the album as well, and one other song, which is Call of Valhalla, also is on the album, and that was um, from the same EP era. And Eli had one song written previously before even joining the band that um, we ended up adapting into this, kind of changing the vocal melody and tweaking the song structure a bit. But, um, yeah, uh, aside from those four, the rest of them are all new. Okay. And um, rumor has it that there was a bidding war for you guys. Is there any truth behind that? A bidding war between the labels. Yeah, we had um, we had prosthetic and metal blade and uh, nuclear blast was in for a minute, but I think they dropped off. And then um, there's this side one dummy label that was really interested as well. But in the long run, we had the best vibe with prosthetic, and they were the first label to ever approach us, so we just went with them. Okay. Um. Noticing from your MySpace page and all the press that I've received, uh, you guys have uh, – you guys are using quote-unquote epic graphics, like throwback graphics to um, say what was normal back in the 80s. And similarly, your T-shirts and all the other merchandising has the same type of stuff. How important is it to you guys, not only to – you know, you mentioned that you want to have a modern-feeling album – but at the same time, you sort of have a foot in the past as well. I mean, that's just who we are, but we're living in 2010, so there's no reason to, you know, 
keep a carbon copy of 1983. So we're uh, we're very aware of the past, but also aware of our surroundings. And I'm like definitely like the most retro guy of the band. Like I have like lots of LPs, and none of them are post 1990. You know, so I'm okay. like very into like the old school and like a true fan of like classic metal and 70s hard rock so that stuff is just in me it's like it's just second nature but uh you know with modern music it's uh that's just the way that's just the way it goes you know we we can't deny that we're a modern band because we're in 2010 right uh, i got you um well going back to the um the graphics again how much input do you guys have with what graphics are used with the band? Do you guys have an idea and look for an artist to bring that up, or does the label bring things to you? Uh, it depends uh, which graphics. Some T-shirts, an artist will be like, what do you guys think of this? And we'll say, oh, that's awesome. Or sometimes we'll go, hey, can we get you know, a coat of arms kind of thing? And then they do it, and then... Or we'll go to a artist and say, we want this, like, parasitic creature rising out of the remains of humans. <laughs> and, you know, maybe, like, some kind of, like, post-apocalyptic kind of theme. And that's how we got our album cover. <laughs> right, right. Uh, okay. Um, we talked about Vakken there for a second. But you guys are actually starting a tour. You guys are playing Japan a few days from when we're recording this interview. Um, how pumped are you guys to play Japan, and is there any other place that you're looking forward to play? I mean, there's so many places I'd, I'd like to play. Japan's pretty one of, one of the top on my list, but, like, it's pretty awesome that we just get to go there, like, this soon in our career. I'm pretty excited. When we were on tour with Amon Amarth, it's, they said it took them, like, once they played U.S., it took them like three years to get to Japan, and so uh, we're pretty excited. This is awesome. And uh, I, I've heard Bulgaria is pretty insane. I also want to check out, you know, the, out, the rest of Europe. We've only played, uh, not only, but I mean, it was Vakken, but we've, we, we've only gotten to Germany. I want to explore the rest of it as well and play in South America especially and uh, the rest of the Pacific Islands. And it's... Uh, yeah, we wanted Australia would be awesome. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of spots that we're gonna try and hit as well next year in early 2012. So okay. we got a lot of stuff on the map. <laughs> cool, definitely cool. Um, is there any place that sticks out in your mind so far? Any place or any tour that you guys have been involved with that sticks out in your mind so far? Um, I mean, the one we just recently did was pretty awesome. The one we did with Exodus and uh, Malevolent Creation. Those guys are just like the raddest dudes, and uh, they've been doing it for a long time. So they just have a world of knowledge to, that we adapted from them and just, you know, how to handle your vodka each night and stuff like that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Very important lessons, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, what do you do as a vocalist to uh, prep for shows, 
uh, or to go into the studio. Is there anything that you do to warm up, or do you just get there and you're just ready to go? Uh, normally, it depends on what how much time we have, because uh, we've been selling our own merch, and so uh, and I'm usually the guy setting it up. So if I have enough time to warm up beforehand, then I do it. Uh, otherwise, I just uh, go at it right on the stage and tear it up, you know. So uh, I feel a little looser and uh, more solid when I warm up. I'm just kind of like it's kind of like a calming process, I think. And then, uh, but even when I don't, I still think it sounds fine to everyone else. But to me, I know I could have been better. You know? So. You're normally your own worst critic as well, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you're going to be hitting certain things that you're thinking, shit, you know, I could hit that better. But then, you know, the crowd's probably still going nuts and they probably haven't noticed it at all. <laughs> yeah. Also live, too, it goes by so fast that people sometimes don't even notice what's going on. <laughs> They're right. just watching the guitar soloing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I got you. You mentioned before that you like a lot of 70s hard rock and 80s metal, and you're probably the most retro guy in the band, but who lit this fire under you? Who was that one catalyst that got you to think, you know what, I want to be a singer? Um, probably, uh, I would say uh, Deep Purple or uh, Class of Mine of Scorpions. When I first heard that kind of stuff, I was like, when I first heard In Trance by the Scorpion, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. I need to do something like this. And then uh, eventually, once I heard, you know, In a War or Merciful Fate, I was like totally hooked. And ever since then, just trying to be, you know, an epic metal band. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. You know, and that's interesting. I had a conversation not too long ago with someone um, regarding Scorpions and how Scorpions at one point, they were almost at the same level that, say, Maiden and Priest was in their popularity and how much they sold and everything else. And it seems like those two bands sort of continued to climb up and Scorpions sort of went in another direction. And nowadays you wouldn't maybe talk about the three on the same level, although Scorpions probably are just as influential as those other two bands. Definitely. It just, uh, yeah, it, it gets, it gets, I guess it's once it gets to a certain point of, uh, you know, the, the 10 to 20 year mark, it's the lines are thin of who gets the bigger success. It's, and it's, I don't know. I don't know what the, what what it takes, but what I see is possibly uh, constant touring and constant keep releasing albums. That's pretty much what keeps bands going, like Motorhead and you know Slayer. <laughs> right. But, uh, it seems like longevity is the tool for survival in, in all of these cases. Because I've seen a lot of re bands get reunited and they try and get back into it, and it just pretty much sucks because they have, they've never played and they haven't played for like ten years, and they've got office jobs and families now, and <laughs> but they're offered a lot of money to do a reunion show, and like 
people are really stoked on it, but it ends up not being that rad. <laughs> I noticed that with uh, Witch Center General, which is like one of my favorite bands, but they uh, did a reunion and like half the band's not even there anymore. Like they're all like walled away into security and don't want to remember that band. And <laughs> it's only like one original member is still pushing to do it and got a whole new band and no, just wasn't the same. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I don't know. I, I've had that discussion um, a bunch of times regarding Kiss, for example, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of people will always give you the, oh, you know, without the four original guys, it's just not the same. But when you see them with those four original guys, and like you're saying, you know, uh, some of them hadn't been playing for so long, and you see them play, and it's almost like, oh, you know, I wish I wouldn't never came because, you know, this is going to, uh, you know, almost destroy the dream that I had in my head of that perfect show, you know, where you think all four guys are going to be there like it was 20, 30 years ago. And the reality is, like you're saying, someone hasn't played in 10 years and, you know, the stuff's being played at half at half the tempo it originally was. And it just doesn't sound the same. I totally agree, man. It's it's kind of a bummer, like, going up there and seeing your idols, and they're not killing it, and you're like, oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> more or less exactly what I was getting at. <laughs> so, um, you and a bunch of the other members in the band, Tyler and James, were also part of White Wizard uh, before Holy Grail. Why exactly didn't things work out within White Wizard? Well, uh, the bass player kind of ran the band, and he was very adamant about keeping it retro and uh, strictly like the Iron Maiden, Judas Priest type of sound. And uh, we wanted some more like uh, Racer X or Testament or a little bit more Megadeth and wanted thrash into it. But then... Like, uh, the guys also really like, like, Lamb of God type guitar playing and uh, Jeff Loomis of Nevermore. So we wanted to, like, mix in these, like, thrash and modern shred kind of influences into the music as well. And John wasn't having it. So uh, that's pretty much why we started Holy Grail, was to introduce that into the classic type metal as well. And very good point, um, mentioning Testament. That was one of the first things that I noticed when listening to the uh, sampler was how much of a Testament influence you guys actually have. And that was one of the things that, to me, differentiated you guys from White Wizard in the sense that there was that heavier or more somewhat of an updated sound in comparison to what I had heard you know, like the uh, high-stakes GTO EP or, or anything else that, you know, you guys were involved with uh, White Wizard as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's a big influence. I mean, all, like, any of the Bay Area thrash bands or even a lot of the East Coast thrash, like, uh, are big, huge, like, big thrash fans. So definitely Testament is in there. <laughs> okay. Does it surprise you that White Wizard has had so many lineup changes after you guys left? Um, not really. <laughs> it's not very surprising. Uh, talking with former members that left after we, after that joined after we left, 
those guys, um, we all shared similar stories of um, just kind of a, he's very strong-headed and wants it his way or the highway. So for not, it's not easy for everyone to deal with. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Were you surprised that uh, Earache re-released High Speed GTO with you guys on the EP rather than going in and re-recording the whole thing? Um, I wasn't surprised because John was, had told us he was going to do that and wanted us to rejoin the band, like, for three months before it actually happened. So, um, <laughs> the, uh, the only thing that sucks is we never got, we never signed off on any of that and never got it sent for it. So it's still all under John's control. So. <laughs> Interesting. It's, yeah. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> shitty. I mean, like. The uh, there's one song into the night that James Larue wrote, and then there's song Heights Be GTO that I wrote, and I wrote all the lyrics to the songs and wrote all the melodies, and Tyler wrote his drum parts, and Larue wrote all the solos. So uh, the only real stuff John laid down was bass lines, and that was about you know kind of like only 25% of it, if not less, but. It's uh, right. <laughs> it's you know he goes and argues that those are his. We left the band, so that's left to him now. And so, whatever. I don't. We got into like teasing about legal battles and stuff like this, but there's really not enough money for it to be worth anything. So we're just not right. worrying about it. Right. So things like, for example, I know that there's an issue with a bunch of different URLs on the web. Um, with whitewizard.com and with holygrailmusic.com, uh, things of that nature and, and all that, more or less you're saying that it's not even worth pursuing any legal aspects of it because there's probably no money to be had from him? Uh, pretty much. I mean, he keeps all the money from White Wizard because um, Eric signed the deal with him. So any new members, they don't get any money or anything like that they just kind of join and pay their way just to be a part of white wizard and huh. so um it's yeah it's kind of weird how it works and that's pretty much why everyone keeps leaving that band <laughs> and right. uh they uh yeah the 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 website is i had i had started the website and still own the domain and he was threatening to sue me because he has the trademark on it, and I can't own the name that he trademarks, but when it goes to domains, that's just how it works. Whoever has the domain, you own the domain. There's no, like, legal issue with owning a domain, so. Right. So he, like, uh, gives us, you know, a percentage or, like, on paper that we, like, get part of those songs on the EP or at least, you know, High Speed GTO, which I wrote. We're not going to get over that domain just for free, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. Makes absolute sense. I mean, well, and the other interesting thing now that you mentioned that, um, difference between the domain that you have and the one that he bought is uh, holygrailmusic.com. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but he's actually paying advertisement to have that towards the top of uh, when someone does a search for Holy Grail. I found that kind of funny. I guess that's where all the uh, money that he's making is uh, – is going to promote to make sure that, you know, that URL 
is at the top and everyone sees his stuff instead of yours. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing that page. It's funny. <laughs> he tries to paint, paint it differently. The, the Holy Grail music saying it's the original heavy metal band or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, though. I asked, you know, Earache to have him come on and give his side of things, and it just seems like everyone that I've spoken to from the band has pretty much painted the same picture. So it's, you know, I think it's pretty obvious where things went. Was there a goal to make sure that Crisis in Utopia was a lot better than Over the Top? Oh, oh well, I mean, it wasn't really a goal. It was just, we're just going to make, I don't know. We, it wasn't like a goal or a, um, you know, an attempt to try and make something better. We're just like, we're going to make something totally different than White Wizard and kind of hopefully this album will separate our ties to like, oh, this band, this band is just like two different bands. But right. We kind of just, we, did, we didn't write with that in mind, but we just knew it was going to be like, a lot more modern and a lot more shredding and thrashy and uh, just it's going to be a totally different sound and I think it is. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, from again from the songs that I've heard, I can definitely say that that that's the case. I've heard. Um, let's see where the sampler is here. Um, I've heard "My Last Attack," "Fight to Kill," and "Immortal Man." So all three of those tracks kick ass, and I can't wait to hear the rest of the album. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think we uh 26 in the states, but um, you're are you in the states or in, are you in Europe? I'm actually in Europe. I, I saw on your uh, MySpace the 26 in the states, 25th in Europe. Yeah. So it's a day earlier. Um, where should people go to pick the album up? Is there anywhere specific you want them to go? Um, so far, I know um, Prosthetic Records, and uh, um, we're working on getting in all the FYE stores. And then I'm not sure what where it will be in Europe. I haven't talked. I think we're discussing that this week. But okay. – um, Definitely on iTunes and definitely on the Prosthetic website, you'll be able to order it. So. Okay. Uh, best place for people to check out to find out information regarding the band? Is there anywhere specific you want them to go? MySpace, Facebook, what, what would you prefer? Either or, MySpace and Facebook. Facebook has been more, a lot more popular these days Okay. than the MySpace. But, um, yeah, either or. Okay, is it just Facebook forward slash Holy Grail, or is there something else instead? It's uh, Holy Grail official. Okay, perfect. Uh, and regardless, I mean, people can Google it, and I'm sure they'll find one or the other. Definitely. So, one last question. I've seen on the net that um, you guys covered accepts uh, fast as a shark, and first of all. Um, the intro to that was just ridiculously funny because, I mean, the original, the the intro was just out there, but having the, the, the spin that you guys put on it was absolutely awesome. <laughs> um, 
th- that was available what on the EP on a specific version of the EP or where can it, yeah that was it, on the CD version of the EP the vinyl version only had the the two originals but the okay. CD version of our EP we put on the two covers okay is there any way that people can still get that CD version or is that all sold out um as far as I know it's sold out. We uh, sold out on our last tour and uh, tried to get more. I think there's only 10 copies left, and those are probably gone by now. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. sold out. But we still have plenty of the vinyl, but uh, the CDs no longer. There's talk of maybe having a bonus, like a CD with like bonus tracks and have those covers on the, on the album as well, but uh, we'll see. Okay. See how it does first of all before they reissue a deluxe package. <laughs> hey, Weatherzoids, this is Luna from Holy Grail, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Shred on!
That's a little bit of Holy Grail with Requiem coming off of Crisis in Utopia. Great, great album. Difficult for me to choose um, what tracks to play there. and Sort of like a, a Yoda phase there. Difficult. Anyway, um, great album. Check it out. Came out this week. Crisis in Utopia once again on Prosthetic. So thanks to Luna for coming on the show. Thanks also to Mark from Prosthetic. Uh, for helping me arrange the interview and and everything else, and uh, go check the album out and uh, check out you know what Luna did previously with the EP for Holy Grail, also his work in White Wizard. And if you dig White Wizard, there's no problem with that whatsoever. You know, check out uh, Over the Top, the new single Shooting Star, and again, uh, High Speed GTO. Hopefully, um, you know things sort of get sorted out they can solidify lineups and sort of move on with things uh anyway we're gonna get uh into the ripper owens part of the episode uh, i interviewed ripper actually a, a little under a year ago this originally aired on mark striegel radio so for those of you that don't know go to mark and listen to mars attacks episodes, Mars Attacks Radio, I should say, episodes debut Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and then repeat throughout the week. Uh, In any event, check out MarsAttacksRadio.com for show listings and whatnot. Uh, In any event, this episode um, came on one of the most difficult days that that, that I've had, you know, this last year has been sort of a, a good old shit sandwich for me, as it has been for a lot of uh, different people. Um, I remember interviewing uh, someone earlier in the day, and um, it was Jeremy from Age of Evil, actually, and got to interview Ripper Owens later on in the afternoon. It was interesting because with Jeremy's episode, I was sort of riding high and, you know, about 20 minutes after uh, the interview, I received a phone call uh, saying that someone close to me, a family member, uh, their internal organs had failed and that they really didn't have too much time um, to live. Um, Unfortunately, that person died uh, a week and a half, two weeks later, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, so I can notice in certain places where my voice is is somewhat shaken, you know, and I'm sort of out of it in the interview. I do apologize to Ripper for that. Um, But uh, it's a great interview nonetheless. Um, This was before the Charred Walls of the Dam album came out. He talks a lot about a solo album about Hale, uh, some priest, and Iced Earth. So, um... That's pretty much it. What what we're going to do is we're going to get into a track off of his solo album, off of Play My Game, and the name of this track is Death Race. Traffic fast along the shoreline 
On the phone, we have Tim Ripper Owens. Hello, 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 all. <laughs> We're going to touch on a bunch of different things that uh, Ripper has been involved with uh, over the years. And currently, he's out on tour with a band called Hail, which uh, is comprised of a bunch of different uh, legendary musicians in their own right. How did Hail come together? Well, you know, I, I, had, I, I was... Uh... Did a show a few years ago with uh, David Ellison and I. We'd, we've been friends, and I played out, went out to Nam to do some autograph signing for Samson Wireless, and uh, I went up and jammed with him. And it was an all-star group at, at that performance, and you know, he just said this would be kind of cool to get this together and do something like this. And uh, you know, a year later, I think it was about a year later after we did that, we had gotten the uh, a call uh, to see if we'd be interested in doing it. You know, and then. The first dates we were looking at was in, uh, was in, uh, uh, I think it was in Chile, and you know, okay. uh, so we got Andreas, gave Andreas a call, and at that one we had Jimmy DeGrasso on drums and David Olson and I, and you know we just started kind of doing it, you know, um, odd places, not odd places, but different places like Greece, and uh, you know we just did Beirut, and you know the thing is, it's a lot of fun to do. It, it's not a main thing for me. Because last year I I did mainly my solo project and me touring solo, uh, I probably toured, you know, five months on that alone, four months on that alone. So, right. but it's a great it's a great thing. And now we have uh, Mike Portnoy going to do some shows with us on drums in New York and Boston. So, it's it's a great thing. Right, and that was actually something that I was going to touch upon. You guys almost have uh, like a, a Spinal Tap revolving door there of uh, different drummers, and, and all of them have been, uh, I mean, again, they're all legendary drummers to an extent. You had Bostoff, you had um, DeGrasso, you had uh, Ray Mayorga from uh, um, a Soulfly yeah. and, and Stone Sour. Yeah, they're all great. I mean, I mean, you know, there was never that plan, but the problem that we've had is with all of us, you know, is trying to, to work it around all of our schedules. Right. Obviously, Andreas is extremely busy with, with uh, Sepultura. So, and Jimmy, it just so happened, we never went out, we never had plans to, to get another drummer, but Jimmy was just doing the Alice Cooper gig so much that, you know, we brought uh, Roy Mayerga in for, for one of the runs and, uh, uh, you know, then like you said, Paul, and it just so happens that, you know, now Paul is going to be back to Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, Mike was available. So it's great. You know, I mean, I'm looking forward to, to doing it with Mike, really looking forward to it. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to hopefully going over to Greece and Turkey and, you know, taking Mike with us there and doing it there as well. Cool. Has it ever been difficult uh, getting any of these uh, guys to come in and do the hail shows? Um, well, I mean, you know, we no, they haven't, you know, I mean, the whole point is, is, is scheduling, you know, I mean, that's, right. that's kind of the, you know, if Mike wasn't available, we, you know, there's other guys, Simon Wright and other guys we'd love to have. It just so happens that uh, Mike was one of the guys when we started this thing, we originally had in mind and uh, as well, you know, basically we sent a couple offers out to different people at the, at the start. Actually, I think Jimmy was, Jimmy was the first guy we, we wanted and got, I think then after, he couldn't do it. We kind of sent some some emails out to different people, and uh, um, it's never been it's never been too hard. I mean, like I said, once again, it's all with with timing. The whole thing about Hale is it's a fun band. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's it's meant to just go roll into town and and 
and have fun, you know. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's it's a time where we can let our guard down and just, just get up there and, and, you know, give some respect to, to our heroes. And, uh, sure. And, and, you know, but like I said, we're all so extremely busy that we have to spot these things here and there, you know. Right, right. How do you guys come up with the set list? Well, we we try to make it not too difficult is one thing because, you know, we, we don't want to – we don't, you know, we roll in the town. You get a new drummer, you're going to have maybe a few hours rehearsals before you get up there. Right. Well, we, we pick songs that we love, like Ace of Spades and, and uh, you know, some Pantera Walk. Obviously, we do Sepultura Territory and some Priest. And, but, you know, uh, Accept Balls to the Wall. And, you know, we're learning about three or four new tunes right now. We're adding about three or four new tunes for this next run. And, uh, you know, we just pick songs that are kind of have more of a fun vibe and and it, what it's about, you know. Right. Uh, but it's hard because that's the problem. You could pick songs all day long. You have to pick songs that the crowd is going to get into. And and you know, if you pick something that's way technical or or long, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about just grabbing the crowd and 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 a stranglehold, you know. Sure, I completely understand. Let's see. Touching upon the the solo album play my game which you had already mentioned similar to hail that was chock full of all-star players as well how difficult was it to get everyone involved was it just a case of scheduling as you mentioned before or were there other things uh, involved was, in that process it actually wasn't that bad i mean i think one of the main things was was having windy windy dio managing me and having uh, bob kulik produce it out in LA, that was the main reason of doing it out there is a lot of the musicians were there. You know, the songs were written either all by myself or by, you know, one was Chris Caffrey and myself and, and John Capri and myself and, you know, two or three was Bob Kulik and myself. And uh, I think it's, it's, uh, and Mike Callahan and I wrote one. And, and I think getting these, these musicians, it wasn't that bad because they were out in LA and they, and they all came in, almost all of them came into the studio. So I think that's why the, the album has such a unity and, and a sound across the board. Not like it was recorded everywhere because it was all, all drums, but one track was recorded in, in one studio. Um, almost all, all rhythm guitars were recorded in the studio there in, in LA. And, you know, even leads. I mean, a lot of the guitar players, almost all of them, came in and recorded leads. So we were uh, we were lucky to, to get all that. And it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was a, it was something that originally I was just going to have five or six musicians play on it, and it just kind of uh, it just kind of grew, kept growing from there. We started thinking, hey, how about having uh, you know, I mean, if I have an opportunity to have Steve Stevens play on a solo, you know, I mean, that's a pretty special special time or. Uh, you know, Jeff Loomis playing on a solo. That's all pretty special stuff, you know. So Michael Wilton. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. So it was, uh, it was fun to keep doing it. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think the next, if I do a next solo record, which I hope I do and I probably will, I don't think it'll be like that. It'll probably just, a, I'll probably go in with, with one solid band. Gotcha. Okay. Um, was there anyone that wasn't able to participate in the album that you really wanted to have involved? Uh, George Lynch. Uh, I really wanted George to play on it. I really wanted to write a song with George, but it just never came to light. We could never get the scheduling right. Um, John Five, I really wanted to work with John Five and and uh, write a song with John Five, and tried to get Andreas to play a solo on it. And they just, you know, with, he was really busy at, at the time. It was really the time I asked. I asked him kind of at the last minute. So, 
you know, but really, I got I got the people as you know that I wanted. I mean, there's so many people to have on there. Scott Ian, I would love to have, and you know, Vinnie Paul. You know, list goes on, but you know, that's for another day, I guess. You know. Sure. Well, absolutely. That always keeps things open for for the second one if you if you do it that way as well. Like I said, next one I'll have less musicians, but I still can pick a band of different musicians. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. You definitely still have uh, uh, plenty of people out there. Um, were there any issues with the labels not allowing certain people to play on the album? I didn't have any of that. You know. Um, uh, you know. I think it's you know. That's kind of, uh, I don't think, you know, there was, I don't think labels worry about that too much more. I think they probably, if they can, if they can get their artists out there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be lucky, really, you know. I mean, it was a top-notch CD. It had top-notch musicians on it. So I think that was, if anybody looks at it, they're going to go, well, who's on there? Well, Simon Wright, Rudy Sarzo, you know, uh, Billy Sheehan. You know, so I, I think that's probably one of the ways that they would have looked at it. Sure. Cool. It's, the reason I bring that up is because with so many of the, say, tribute albums, a lot of times certain artists can't participate or certain singles can't be used because labels and lawyers get involved. And it's great that you were allowed to pretty much have whoever you wanted on there and you didn't have to go through any of that legal BS. Yeah, I was lucky, you know, and like and having a bunch of, you know, a lot of these guys are my friends and people I've known. I mean, with Bobby Jerzombek and, like I said, Michael Wilton and Chris Caffrey and, David Ellison, I mean, Bruce Sarzo, Simon, all, I mean, so many of the people who played on it are friends of mine. So it made that, it made it even easier or, or, or people I've known. So, you know, that was a good thing. Right. Well, continuing this whole all-star theme here, how cool was it to be involved in the uh, Roadrunner United event? I tell you what, it was great. I mean, you know, Roadrunner is a bunch of class people and, and great to invite me with me not having anything to do with the Roadrunner. You know, maybe I'll be lucky and get Beyond Fear's next CD on Roadrunner. That would that would be a dream come true to to release a, a Beyond Fear on Roadrunner. But I I mean it was great. I mean I had so much fun and, and my wife went with me and uh, you know to hang out with Jeff Waters and and Scott Ian and and Corey Taylor and uh, on meeting Andreas for the first time. It was I'll tell you what it was one of the it was one of the highlights probably of my career. There's much great stuff going to the Grammys and stuff. I mean, there's stuff that's that's up there, but the music, hanging out with those people and meeting them and and uh, and singing uh, those those tunes, uh, it was an absolute blast, man. I had a I had a great time. Backstage was just uh, it was perfect. It was ran so well, and uh, you know it was a good time. Cool, very cool. The the DVD looks awesome, and your input's actually very funny as well. So <laughs> yeah. I I don't I don't remember much about it, I, I, and the funniest thing is uh, I remember uh, I don't remember I I remember doing the show that there, I never saw any cameras around anywhere, so they secretly had them there. So it was always a rumor <laughs> that there was the cameras there, but I never knew it. So it was kind of funny. Now that's the, that's real interesting, huh? So that that's actually cool because I'm sure that made sure that people were loose the whole you know during yeah, the whole. Well, event. everybody I think people was told, and we kind of. You know, I was told they were there. I never believed them, though, because I'm like, well, I never saw a camera, and I, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I don't see how this thing's going to be released, and I'll be darned if it wasn't. Right. Um, mentioning uh, Beyond Fear, where do things currently lay with 
that group? Well, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, a lot of the album, a lot of the songs are written for the next record. And just right now I'm trying to rest a little bit. I'm trying to rest the, the voice. I mean, I just did about two months in South America solo, uh, came home and, and flew to Beirut and did a show with Hale and uh, came home and, and done a few things locally. And uh, my voice is just, uh, it needs some time off. Um, so I'm getting my studio all made sure everything's ready to go and check it in, in here at my house. And I'm going to start finishing the touches in a few weeks here on the, on the beyond fear songs. And, uh, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to it, you know, because, uh, it's really, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just great stuff. And, uh, you know, not sure about the label, what it's going to be on, what's going on. I mean, I, I I'm probably sure that it's not going to be on SPV. I do have an option, Okay. I love SPV and I'd love to be on SPV again, but uh, probably more likely we'll shop it. And uh, you know, and it's really one of the stronger things that I, that I could do. I, I almost would have picked doing a Beyond Fear instead of the solo thing, but the label and, and management thought it was is the right move, and I I think it was the right move. But but Beyond Fear has a, has a pretty big following. At, for how quick we started. I mean, we put one CD out, and then six months later, I was back to Iced Earth. So I never really got to push Beyond Fear as much. But when I travel around uh, South America or whatever, I, I'm amazed at the fan base and, and the people and the response online and the emails from people every day. So, I mean, there's a lot of anticipation for the next CD, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I've seen it here at the festivals as well. I was, in all honesty, I was very surprised. Uh, at all the Beyond Fear t-shirts that I saw, you know, last year at the festival that I was at here in Spain. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good thing out there, you know, so I'm looking forward to getting back. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, speaking of your voice, what do you do outside of resting to keep it in such good shape? Well, you know, I, I just try to rest and take care of it. You know, I mean, I think a, a thing now is I got uh, uh, I got sick while I was in South America at the end. And, uh, you know, it, it really strained my voice and, uh, you know, I just need to, to I, I really need to take time off. I mean, being 42 now, it's, it's a lot more difficult. And the problem is I toured and, and continued to sing with, with it being messed up. And, uh, I probably messed it up pretty good. So I, I, now I just have to relax and, and, uh, get a bath. But I think sleep, which is hard to do around my house with my with my kids, uh, good sleep and a lot of water is really, uh, you know, and really keeping the voice isn't a problem. Singing the normal stuff, the the high natural voice stuff, it's it's actually keeping the falsetto, and that's that's what I don't have any of right now because of uh, getting sick. I have no falsettos at this moment. So if I had to go tour right now, I'd be in trouble. But um, but you know, take some time off and rest, and that's what happens when you when you have a busy year and a, and a busy time like I had. Sure, absolutely. Where do um, things currently stand with Invey? Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping to get get up and going again soon. I mean, just talking last week or two weeks ago, and you know, he was in he's in a great mood and great spirits, and things are great. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, whether we're going to record some more and do some some dates. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting back with him. I mean, I had a blast with him the last few years, and 
you know, recording the album and touring. I, I really had a good time. I really get along well with him, and he's he's just an amazing, amazing talent. So it's it's fun. So I, I mean, I definitely I definitely look forward to doing some more stuff with him. Cool, very cool. Uh, I really like the album that uh, you guys did together. I can honestly say it's the first Inve album that I've checked out in a long time. So. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. What was the difference between coming into the project with Inve as opposed to when you came into Priest or uh, with Iced Earth? Well, I think they're all a little bit different. I think the big thing about coming into Inve is knowing creatively, I'm I'm not going to be putting it in, and it was kind of done for that was good for me because I want to creatively, at that time, put stuff into my solo record and put stuff into Beyond Fear. Uh, now, if Ingve asked me to write with him, I would be more than happy to. Uh, going into Judas Priest, I kind of had the same thing, knowing ah, I probably won't be doing a whole lot of writing. Going into Iced Earth, I was told I was going to be doing a lot of writing with him, but it was never really offered to me to, or, or didn't see the light of day, let's just put it that much. Uh, so everything was a little bit different. You know, I think Ingve and, and, and uh, Iced Earth are, are pretty much the same kind of entity where it's run by a, a sole person, you know, they're both really solo projects, to tell the truth. Uh, but you know that going with Ingve. You know you're getting a solo project. And uh, and it was a good timing to do it. You know, It lets me do Ingve, and but lets me concentrate on a lot of my other stuff as well. Cool. Speaking of Iced Earth, where do things currently stand between you and John Schaefer? Has there been any interaction after the infamous email, or have things just been sort of moot? Yeah, you, you just move on. I mean, obviously he moved on and and uh, you know toured more in in two months than we toured the whole time I was in the band, really. Huh. And uh, but you know they they put out a great record. Matt's a great uh, great singer. Uh, you know, you move on. I I I'm done with that. And uh, got so much stuff on my plate. I mean, like I said, this past year was was by far the busiest year of uh, of my music career. Sure. And, uh, you know, there, there is no, no real communication, you know. I mean, I, I, uh, we wrote how many to say to each other, you know. I honestly got into Iced Earth because you were in the band as well. And, I mean, Matt is a good vocalist and all, but, I mean, I read an interview online where you actually mentioned this as well. I think the, the piece you guys did for Gettysburg is tremendous. Yeah, and... Phenomenal, yeah. It's a great, uh, it's great. It's a great, uh, Definitely my favorite thing that I that I did with Ice Earth. I mean, it was uh, it's, a, it's a nice, definitely nice piece. I honestly think it'd be difficult to listen to that with anyone else but you singing it. But that's just my personal opinion. Well, thank you. Um, where do things stand with Priest? Do you have any type of interaction with those guys? I do. I do talk with them. I I talk with uh, every now and then, and I talk to. Um, uh, especially emails, you know, Ken and I just email each other back and forth and we, you know, try to see each other. But once again, they've been pretty, pretty doggone busy. Right. Um, touring and touring and touring. And, um, you know, then I, I miss seeing the guys, you know, there was a, a great friendship and still is a great friendship, but touring with them was, was a great, great time. And, uh, uh, hanging out with them was was a great time we definitely had this bond and, and a friendship and uh so i miss that i'm glad they're they're doing well and uh but you know we we yeah i mean i we'll see each other every now and then on the road or every time they come around town i'm never here i'm always on the road myself so right. it's always hard to, to hook up with people you know but we talk every now and then you know it's cool also all the interviews that you hear with 
Priest, and especially with Halford, where I've never heard him say anything bad about either the albums that uh, you were part of or your singing in general. So I think it's actually cool that, you know, everything seemed to be, uh, you know, as you're saying, very friendly and, you know, no one went overboard to, uh, you know, sort of slag one another. Yeah, it's great. No, we're, we, you know, Rob and I have nothing but great things to say about each other and definitely friends and, and uh, you know, so that's that's always a good thing. Cool. Very cool. What about the project Charred Walls of the Damned? How'd that come about? Um, well, you know, uh, Richard and I obviously were fr- friends and we met in Ice Earth and he had mentioned maybe me singing on some solo stuff one time or something he was writing and you know, he called this past year and asked, and I got to tell you, the album is is just phenomenal. It's uh, it's going to absolutely blow blow people away. I mean, it's just it's just great. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect when I did it. You know, so I think February second it comes out. We're going to do some 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 press, and uh, so it's going to be uh, it's going it's going to going to be awesome. Cool. Can't can't wait to hear that. I mean, Richard is an absolutely amazing drummer. So anything yeah, that he has smokes on the he smokes on the CD. It's great. Cool, very cool. And and you're saying you need to rest your voice, and you're still lining up all these other things. <laughs> well, I mean, I just need a. I, I hope to get a few weeks rest here during the holidays. That's kind of the uh, the thing, and uh, you know, hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll all work out. They're going to start calling you the James Brown of metal. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you've heard all types of rumors attached to your name over the years. The internet is notorious for blowing things up. Has there been any rumor associated to you that you've read that has absolutely just made you laugh or, you know, you didn't understand where it came from? Uh, not really. I mean, there, you know, throughout the years, you've had people see me at different places or whatever, and they've always made me laugh. Or, but there, there really hasn't. I mean, there's not really any rumors out there that... Uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to a lot. I mean, there's, you know, you get on on some of the websites and you read what people, the same what people comment all the time, and they're just, you know, such morons. <laughs> right. That, uh, I I I got to be honest, I don't even pay attention to them. Cool. All right. Yeah, because there were so many different things, like especially after Priest and after uh, Ice Earth, where people were saying, oh, well, you know, you were going to be attached to this band or the other band, and it's interesting how. You know, things went in a completely different direction. So, yeah, yeah, it's always funny. Outside of everything else that we've discussed, what what's next on the horizon that we haven't touched on? Well, I, I don't think there's a whole lot. I mean, I, I'm like I said, I'm so busy. I I think just the thing now is is still pushing my solo record, play my game. I you know it's still out there, and uh, hopefully people can find it uh, with the troubles that F- SPV's had. I mean, hopefully they'll they'll find it out there and. You know, it's on Amazon, and it's out, out. Should be in Best Buy, and should be all over the world. And right. uh, you know, it, it's something I'm proud of. So I'm still pushing that, and I'll and I'll push that even when I do the next Beyond Fear record, and even when I'm doing interviews for Charter Walls of Dam, I'll still always push my solo record because I'm I'm certainly proud of it. Cool, very cool. And I've played a few tracks off of it in the various shows, and I'll continue to do so as well. well thank you. Um, sort of off topic here, uh, since. 2009 is drawing uh, to a close. Have there been any albums or songs that have stuck out in your mind that uh, belong to other artists? You know, I don't listen to a whole lot of music, and now that I'm home, I, I certainly have the uh, the kids' music in my head all the time. So, you know, 
unfortunately, unfortunately, it's probably going to be things like Hannah Montana singing about party in the USA or something, right? Uh, or or a Pink song or something. So uh, sure, you know, it's it's uh, uh, you know, like I mean, I think about the uh, the Heaven and Hell record was awful great and had some great songs and. You know, but but once again, I've been so busy doing my own thing. I'm always I always seem to be listening to my music and l- relearning songs from what I've done. So right. it's kind of strange. Well, n- nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, obviously you're very busy and very involved in in your own projects. Yes. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. You are listening to Mars Attacks. Get out of my face. There you go, a little 
Save Me, coming off of the Beyond Fear debut, the self-titled debut, great, great album with the ever-so-great Ripper Owens on it, and again, similar to the um, Holy Grail portion, uh, what tracks do you include with Ripper Owens? Um, In my opinion, he was the best singer that Iced Earth had. I mean, uh, the the albums that he sung on, the two he sung on, and specifically the Gettysburg 1863, to me, is one of the best pieces of music ever. And, you know, I, this may be blasphemy for some, but just the way that uh, Tim sings that, uh, I don't know that Matt Bartlow could meet that passion and uh, do the same job. I'm sure there are plenty out there that'll argue that with me, but, you know, whatever. To to each their own. To me, that's my favorite piece of music that uh, Iced Earth has ever put out, bar none. Uh, they've done some great stuff with Ripper, and they've done some all right stuff with Matt. You know, unfortunately, I'm not that big of a fan of the band without Ripper uh, in the lineup. Yes, they have some decent stuff. I'm not going to knock that, but... I don't know. Just me. Again, I'm just weird when it comes to some of that stuff. Um, What else? I mean, what can you include? Priest, you can include Malmsteen. There's uh, a few tracks off of that Malmsteen album that I really, really like. Uh, The great solo album. And again, Beyond Fear. And then there are a bunch of different tribute things that uh, he's done. Uh, He did a rendition of Mr. Crowley uh, with Invey Malmsteen for a tribute album years back that just sounds really really uh, great with his voice and uh, you know I think it's unfortunate that some people knock him Uh, you know I've heard oh he sounds too much like Halford Uh, I don't know Uh, he has Halford in him but he has um, you know other stuff in his voice that in my opinion differentiates you know, himself from, from Rob Halford. And, and I mean, obviously people are going to draw parallels because he did sing in Judas Priest and all. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that the two of them have different uh, registries uh, with their voices. You know, sometimes they overlap, but there are other times that uh, that they don't. Um, also, the Great Charred Walls of the Dam album that came out, uh, just to sort of do a plug here. I, I do have a Q&A interview that you can read. You can link to it, um, or there's a link up to it on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Uh, it goes over to Metal Army America, and it's a Q&A that I did with uh, the great uh, Richard Christie. And um, that's pretty much it for this episode. want to thank you guys all for listening for uh, checking this episode out. Again, remember, MarsAttacksRadio.com. Sign up for the Twitter account, or sign up to uh, (laughs) get information from the Mars Attacks Twitter, from the Facebook group, the MySpace. Let's help build those things up. Uh, You can listen to or download any of these episodes right from the MarsAttacksRadio.com website. And what else? Check out the Talking Metal Wire. I'm one of the contributors there. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where things go with Metal Army America. Uh, They sort of want to go in the direction of uh, Metal Sucks and, you know, using my real name. I don't know that that, that I want to do that uh, more than anything because 
how the hell am I going to get more people to come on the show, you know, if I just sit there and and rag on people? You know, I love what Metal Sucks does. I love what Metal Sludge did back in the day. Um, but obviously, everyone was using fake names to do that. If you're actually going to use your real name, you aren't going to have too many people contribute or come on or, you know, you're going to have issues with people. Um, check out Metal Sludge. <laughs> you know, that was their ultimate downfall, in in my opinion. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's get into a little priest with Ripper Owens singing on it. This is Blood Suckers. And uh, that's it. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Mars Attacks.